Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome to Growing in Grace. I'm Victor Morrison. I have the joy of serving as the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Columbus, Texas. And I want to talk to you today about all other ground is sinking sand. Wow. That's what Edward Mote said in the great hymn, The Solid Rock, that he wrote in 1832. He wrote these words, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You know, I wonder if he knew the parable that Jesus taught in Matthew 7. Right there toward the end of the chapter, there were two men who wanted to build a home. One man, one man chose to build his house upon sand. The other man chose to build his house upon a rock. As, it would, as time went on, uh, the storm came and it tested each man's home. And the man who built his house upon the rock, well, he watched his house weather that storm. But the other man, unfortunately, who built his house upon the sand, uh, lost his home and everything as it all floated away in a storm. I want you to build your life upon the, the solid rock of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I, I think that Isaiah, the 28th chapter, verses 14 through 22, is such a good message, such a needed message that our world desperately needs to hear today. And so I want to read this passage and share with you uh, just five simple observations that come right from the text. And I think all of them underscore that there's really only one way to be ready for eternity. I want you in heaven with me, with Jesus, with all the family of the Lord. I love it. I love it if you are there. And so um, let me read Isaiah 28, verse 14. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem, because you have said, we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol. We have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us, for we've made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste, and I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line. And hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and waters will overwhelm the shelter. 
Then your covenant with death will be annulled and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it passes through, it will take you. For morning by morning, it will pass through by day and by night. And it will be sheer terror to understand the message. For the bed is too short to stretch oneself on and the covering too narrow to wrap oneself in. For the Lord will rise up as on Mount Perizim, as in the valley of Gibeon, he will be roused to do his deed. Strange is his deed and to work his work. Alien is his work. Now, therefore, do not scoff, lest your bonds be made strong. For I have heard a decree of destruction from the Lord God of hosts against the whole land. So let's uh, look at this passage together and slow it down in slow motion so that we can understand what's before us. I think it all underscores this one idea that all other ground is sinking sand compared to the solid rock of Jesus Christ. The first thing we observe in this passage, it's found in verse 14 and mentioned again briefly in verse 22, is that there are scoffers who are making fun of the word of the Lord. They're scoffers toward the word of the Lord. You know, the word scoff is not a, it's not a pretty word, really. It's, it means ridicule. It means mocking. It means indignant contempt. And in this case, indignant contempt for God's truth and for him himself. You know, uh, there were many then, and I think there are still many today who make fun of this whole idea that someday we're all going to be held accountable to God for what we've done with Jesus Christ. You know, the apostle Peter in his second letter, it's in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 2 and 3 and 4, he predicted that the longer we go on this earth, the more we get closer and closer to those last days, the more there would be scoffers who would say, you know what, everything is the same as it's always been since creation. And so they reject the truth. But I want us to move from the scoffers toward the word of the Lord and look at not just the rejection of truth, but the replacement of truth. Is it possible to replace truth or are we only living in a delusion? It says in verse uh, 15, because you have said, we have made a covenant with death and with Sheol, we have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. I think it's, a, it's false for someone to assume, I'm okay, I'm ready for eternity because I help people. I'm a nice person. I try to do the right thing as often as I can. You know, in order for us to be able to go to heaven on our own works, we would have to be perfect every single moment of our entire life. And I think all of us are aware of the truth of God's word in Romans 3.23, where God says, all have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. I would certainly raise my hand that I have sinned. And, you know, sometimes I think we're looking for one thing and then we discover something quite different in the end. Have you ever heard of a famous explorer named Ponce de Leon? Ponce de Leon uh, was looking for the fountain of youth is what it's purported. Actually, I don't think that's true. I was reading some articles this week that say that wasn't true. But anyway, that's what some have said. But maybe he was looking for treasure. I don't know what he was looking for, but we certainly know what he found. And he found Florida, didn't he? The state of Florida. I wonder if some people are looking for the goodness of God, and that's okay. I mean, to look for God's goodness, to look for acceptance with Him, but to try to find that acceptance with God by just being as good as you possibly can or trusting in what this religion or that religion says, it's not enough. We must listen to the truth of God's Word. God is trying to tell us in verse 15, there's some people who feel I'm okay if I die. Some people actually believe that at death, everything ends. That's all. Whenever you die, there's nothing beyond that. I had a man tell me that one time, but that's not true. The Bible talks about when we die, then we go to face God. It says it is appointed to men once to die. And after that comes the judgment. So we must be careful. What was the historical context in which Isaiah was saying these things? Well, I'll share that with you. The historical context was you've got uh, King Hezekiah, and he's got all of these Assyrians coming against Judah. And with them coming, some were saying, look, we're going to have to do something. And so some people said, I think what we ought to do is go down to Egypt and get the Egyptians to protect us against these Assyrians. And so some were saying, let's depend on them. But it didn't work. And it won't work. Whenever we reject Christ and we think, oh, I can trust in this, I can trust in that, it's not going to be enough because someday we're going to face death. We're going to face judgment. And so we have to be prepared ahead of time. The shelter that they were depending on from the wrath of the Lord, it was going to be insufficient. It was not going to be enough. And so that's why the wonderful good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God has made a way. God has made a shelter. God has a foundation for your life that'll go way, way into eternity and never diminish. Here it says in verse 16, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste, and I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line. All oh, friend, He's talking about Jesus. Jesus was the only one who came and lived a perfect life. He was completely obedient to the Father. He did everything exactly the way it should be done. And that's why his death counts. It's such a great foundation. It's compared here to a rock, 
to a stone, to a stone that's been tested, to a stone that actually is considered by the Father to be precious and a stone that is sure and dependable. You can count on it. And so I just encourage you, if you've never put your faith and trust in the Lord, put your faith for security for the future in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because when he died on the cross, he died as a sin substitute. He took my place. He took your place. He took everyone around the world. He died in our place because none of us were going to be able to enter his family by our own merits. We cannot do enough good works to make up for all of the times that we failed God in the times we've not been who he wanted us to be, the times we were selfish and disobedient. And so what we have to do is to say, God, I want to turn from my sin and I want to put my faith and trust in this foundation, in this sure foundation that is recorded here in Isaiah. Just think, I mean, this is 700 years before Christ came. And so what a wonderful uh, promise and, and declaration What wonderful good news that this is. But notice that he doesn't stop there because he's trying to to issue a warning shot. And what he compares it to is to a scourge. Do you know what a scourge is? Have you ever read in the Gospels what happened to Jesus when he suffered as our sin substitute? Well, it says that they actually took a leather whip and they whipped him with something that was known at that time as a cat of nine tails. But the whip had all of these tongs that kind of went out from it. And so what he, what they would do is they would tie bits of bone or bits of metal and those kind of things, rocks maybe, uh, in the, the strands of that whip so that when it came across a man's back, oh, the lacerations would be horrendous. Well, that... That is what he compares the coming wrath of the Lord against sin to. It's like man thought he was in control when he was whipping the Son of God with a scourge. But God is going to turn the whole thing around because Jesus did not deserve to be scourged. We deserve to be scourged. I deserve to be scourged. But Jesus took my place. So listen to how it's described, beginning at the sort of midsection of verse 17, and then going down through verse 19. It says, And hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and waters will overwhelm the shelter. Then your covenant with death will be annulled, and your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it passes through, it will take you. For morning by morning, it will pass through by day and by night, and it will be sheer terror to understand the message. Do you see what God is trying to do? He's trying to warn us. His justice requires that sin be punished because he's a holy God. He's a just God. So he must balance these scales for justice to be accomplished. And so what he says is, it's going to be like like hail that will 
sweep away a refuge of lies. It'll be like waters that will overwhelm the shelter. Both of these are references uh, to a past day, especially when he gets into um, the later verses in verse 21. It says, for the Lord will rise up as on Mount Perizim, as in the Valley of Gibeon, he will be roused. You see, both of these two times are actually recorded in the scriptures. During the days of Joshua, when he was fighting with the Amorites, he was defending this city called Gibeon. Well, hail came and hail destroyed the enemies. But then during uh, the days of David, he was fighting against the Philistines. And 2 Samuel 5 and verse 20 speaks of those waters that washed them away, the waters of God's judgment. And so we don't want to try to play games with a holy God. He's warning us that when the wrath comes, when that whip comes to this rebellious world, it'll be overwhelming. And as a matter of fact, verse 17 uses that same idea when it says it's going to overwhelm the shelter. You see, some people feel I have enough shelter with my good works. I have enough shelter with my religion or my philosophy and so forth. We're banking on something that's not going to hold up. And so God is a God of truth. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. And so that's why he's reaching out to you, reaching out to me. He was reaching out to the people back in Isaiah's day. And he's trying to say, turn from it. That's why I want to end with the fifth observation, and that is the submission to the warning from the Lord. Listen to the way it describes it at the end. What will it be like for those who are depending on their own righteousness to cover them in the day when they will stand accountable to God? Well, God says, this is what it's going to be like. It's going to be like a bed that is too short to stretch yourself out on. It's going to be like a blanket or a covering that's too narrow to wrap yourself in. It's not going to be enough is the whole idea. The insufficiency of man's righteousness will be so apparent on that day. But then not only that, he goes next into the inevitability, the inevitability of the judgment of God. Because that's when verse 21 says, for the Lord will rise up as on Mount Perizim, as in the Valley of Gibeon, he will be roused. And listen to the way it says next, the way it feels to God. To do his deed. It's speaking about his deed of judgment, his deed of accountability for our sins, his deed of wrath upon those who have been rebellious. Well, listen to what it says next. Strange is his deed, and to his work, alien is his work. Why does he describe it that way? Because he is unjust in punishing uh, rebellious mankind for our sins? No, that's not why it's strange. That's not why it feels alien. It's, it's definitely right that God would do this. You know why it's strange? Because God doesn't want to do it. God doesn't want that to be his overture toward our world. Even though we're rebellious, even though we 
walk away from him, even though we scoff at him and we mock him, even though we beat him when he comes to this earth, there's something incredible about the unconditional love of God. He is so merciful and gracious that he keeps on reaching out his hands to a stubborn world and says, I can't help it. I love you. And so I don't want to have to judge you. I don't want to have to punish you. Of course, we know that it's inevitable, though. He will have to, to settle it up because he sent his son to take the brunt of the judgment. His son took it upon himself, all the necessary just punishment for our sins. And so if we walk away from that, there's nothing else left. And that's why for God, it's almost inconceivable that someone would reject such a gracious offer, such a loving offer from God to invite us to trust in Him. And that's why these last verses in our text for today say this, Now therefore, do not scoff, lest your bonds be made strong. He doesn't want you to be put in some kind of spiritual handcuffs and sent away into hell, sent away into judgment for your sins. He sent his son so you wouldn't have to do that. But God's, God's wrath and God's judgment, they're real. They're necessary because he's judged, because, because he is just and he's wise. And so just know that this passage is so truthful. It's so balanced because it describes for us the love of God, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, the salvation of God. But at the same exact time, it warns us of accountability to God, of judgment from God, of the justice of God, of the wrath of God. These are true these are real. And so we must not pretend that they do not exist. God's trying to tell us through the prophet Isaiah, they do exist. As a matter of fact, from chapters 28 to 35, there's such an incredible series of woes whenever Hezekiah was the king and the people were continuing to rebel against the Lord. And so these Assyrians were circling them and God was trying to get their attention. Oh, friend, is he trying to get your attention? I just, I urge you, I urge you to turn to Christ, to say, Lord, I need your mercy. I do not want to face your wrath. I do not want to go into eternity depending upon my own uh, weak righteousness. Because just like he said in that metaphor, the bed will be too short the blanket will be too narrow. You must run to the cross. Run now today to the cross of Jesus Christ and ask the Lord to be merciful to you and you will find that he will embrace you the way he did the prodigal son who came out of that pig pen, came back to his father that loved him and he was so welcomed and so embraced. And the father said, bring out the best robe, put the ring on him, put the sandals on him. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate for the one who was lost has come back home. That is what is awaiting you if you will just turn to him. So that's why I couldn't wait 
to share with you this incredible passage about the solid rock. Let me remind you one last time, all other ground is sinking sand. Let's go to the Father in prayer. Oh Lord, I know that there are so many voices that are speaking to all my friends that are listening today. I know there are lots of voices that try to get them to trust in this or trust in that, to live for this or to live for that. But Lord, I pray that they would build their lives upon the solid rock. If they build their lives upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ, the finished perfect work of Christ on the cross, he rose from the dead, then they're going to be so ready for eternity. But if they walk past that and they reject him, then they're not going to be ready for eternity. They will find that all, all other ground truly is sinking sand. And so, Lord, please help them today to turn from sin, to trust Christ, to surrender to him and to ask for his mercy and grace. And I know it will be so abundant and so available to them. Lord, thank you for this time that we've shared together today in your word. Lord, seal the message to our hearts. Help us to hear the voice of truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you, friend, for being uh, with us today. Hope that you'll come uh, next time to listen to another uh, podcast as we look into God's timeless truth and see what He will say to each of our hearts. Have a great day. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.